Hello lab experts, welcome to the Rock Diagnostics Podcast, the podcast where we discuss everything medical laboratory science in Africa and around the world. In today's episode, we sit down with Zain Suma, a medical laboratory scientist from Sierra Leone with a particular interest in microbiology. But today what we're actually going to talk about is the prowess and plight of medical laboratory scientists in his country. Without much further ado, let's talk MedLab. Hello, Zane. How are you doing today? Hi, Robertson. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Thank you. It looks like it's very sunny over there in Sierra Leone today. Sure, you're right. It's quite I'm a sunny day so far. Out the window and I'm seeing it like bright. Yes, yes. So today we'll be talking a little bit about medical laboratory science in general and your perspective on the field, especially in your country. And so okay. let's start with something simple. Um, what made you want to get into medical laboratory science? All right. Um, medical lab science, it's a field or a discipline, one way or the other, that is not too popular in my country. However, initially they have been taking students into medical laboratory sciences that were initially failed for medicine or not having the requirements for, for medicine direct. But recently, they've, they've sort of um, fine-tuned or structured the course in such a way, students will no longer go through that demotivational procedure of, being, of not having medicine uh, requirement to be sent over to MedLab. Now it's been structured and straight. So now you will have to apply for school straight into medical laboratory sciences. It's, okay. it's young. It's, it started way back in about, uh, yes, I think it's 10 years, 10 to 11 years ago, if, I, if my research could serve me well, 10 to 12 years ago. So, so far they've had up to, yeah, come, you can, you can come to. Yeah, so far they've had up to up to um, ten, up to eight. Sorry, it's up to eight to ten batches of diploma graduates, and we are the first batch of degree graduates, which which came out two thousand and eleven. Sorry, which came out two thousand and nineteen, two years ago. All right. So you're two, two years ago. That, yes. So we are uh, the first cohort. For... Yes. So you're saying that for a long time, actually what you had to do was actually going to medicine first before then moving over. So that means you came out as a pathologist directly then. No, what I'm saying is the actual way people were coming into medical laboratory sciences was initially applying for medicine and the medical board would have to fine tune the applicants and those that met the requirements for medicine will forge ahead to medicine. And if you, though we all apply for medicine, if you didn't have the requirements for medicine, they will send you to medical laboratory sciences. That was how it has been happening. And but right, just as I mentioned, it has been fine-tuned and structured now. So people will have to apply now for medicine separately. They will not apply also for medical lab sciences. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. Yeah, so, 
Um, based on, based that, on that, has there been a change in motivation for people that are trying to get into the field? Are there more people that are now interested, interested in getting into medical laboratory science or is it still about the same numbers? Honestly, the motivation has increased recently. Okay. Back in those days, the process wasn't motivational. So people were doing like diploma in medical lab sciences to go back to school and get the fine-tuned or the requirement and come back for medicine. But now people are going purposefully for medical lab sciences. So the motivation has increased over the past two, three years. The motivation is there now. Yes. And so medical lab sciences in the country is not, it's not, it's not something that is that old. It's new. Uh, but mm -hmm. the, great, the greater part of it will have to be us, the new degree graduates, going back to school, going back to the institutions, going back to the drawing board to teach, to advocate, and make it known to new applicants so they know the importance of it. Yeah. Talking about making it known to new applicants, how, do you, how are you able to entice new people to get into the field? All right. So we have a national association, which is called the Sierra Leone Medical Laboratory Association. And in this Sierra Leone Medical Laboratory Association, we have journal clubs, clubs for outreach, clubs for advocacy like antimicrobial resistance, you know, the, and clubs that we put up and programs for international laboratory weeks. So the ones for advocacy has been going to schools, you know, those high schools, talking about the importance, you know, preaching. Actually, all of this I'm saying is, I mean, it's something that, I very, that is very new. It started as recent as last year. <laughs> yes. So it's not like it was there two, three years back, no. But are you seeing um, a certain, I'll say, interest from the students as you're talking to them about science, as you're talking to them about the laboratory? Does it look like uh, they're able to grasp what it's about? Does it look like they are thinking about actually getting into the field? Yes, it looks like that. There are a series of questions, because as I mentioned, it's a field that is new. Everything about the country is medical doctor, medical doctor, medical doctor, or nurses, 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 or pharmacist, pharmacist, pharmacist. So there are a lot of questions, and from the answers, we can tell from this, from the looks of things that students are like, you know, they're grasping the idea and people have been, have been moved. So this year, for the first time, we have over, over 500 applicants. It has never been like that. Yes, it has never been like that. Initially, it was just like 30, 40. So we saw that people purposefully came from school, applying directly into medical lab sciences, which was wonderful. It was a great news for us. Yeah, so, so that grasping the, the advocacy has been working then. Could it also yes. be at some level that over the past years, there has also been a lot of accent being put out on the laboratory, especially due to COVID and us actually being able to hear about medical laboratories, doing all this testing, hearing about medical laboratories, helping to solve the problem and so on. That's it, that's it. So with the advent of these, um, popular or notorious outbreaks like Ebola and COVID. You know, you know, you know the main sector in the health uh, ministry that gives out information relies solely on the result that comes from the laboratory. So there has been time when the only people that 
the press will be coming to for information for a laboratory. The, the, I mean, the laboratory, they, yeah. they will come to you. We have, we have even an experience where the whole, um, the national broadcasting station was by then Sierra Broadcasting Corporation. They came into the laboratory, asked for mm. consent, and we allowed them to come in and film us. So they came into the laboratory and filmed us. So it was aired on the national TV and people saw it and they were like, wow, what are these people working and, you know, putting on these big gowns and, you know, these yeah. sophisticated dresses. So, I mean, it helped in bringing up the, the motivation and the awareness about the field. It helped a lot, yeah. the outlets. And continuing, continuing on this um, alley of motivation, in some countries, in some of our countries, what some people tend to complain about eventually when they get in the field is, um, well, we'll talk about two things they tend to complain about. Let's talk about first the money okay. aspect. Sometimes they say that they aren't paid enough. Is like in your country, is that something that people complain about or is it something that at least the association has been able to help tackle a little? First of all, the truth is the payment is small. <laughs> the payment is small. You know, the association has been trying and we are still trying because we cannot be doing all these sophisticated BSL-3, even at times BSL-4 type of infectious work, exposing ourselves, you know, risking our lives and our families. And we, we, we're not, I mean, we are not receiving the required amount of payments, especially when some of us are exposed and know how, you know, the trend all over other countries. Yeah. It yeah. hasn't been easy, but I mean, the payment is small. According to the government scale, we have cadres. We have grade five, grade six, grade seven, eight, nine, up to grade 12. So okay. we have people who doesn't have um, certificates. We call them laboratory assistants. We have people who have certificates. We call them um, um, laboratory technicians. We have people who have diplomas, either higher national diplomas or national diplomas. We call them senior laboratory technicians. And we have people who has got a degree, a honors degree. We call them laboratory scientific officers. And people with masters and PhDs are called laboratory scientists, full scientists or researchers. So from the degree and above, people are placed as low as grade six. Can you imagine? And in my country, when you, when you say grade six, it's like um, on a dollar scale, it's like 250 dollar at grade six or what which is very which is very small for a degree holder is that per month per month yes hmm. $250 yes so we've been working recently and they have reviewed the allied health professionals act so presently we are in the process of presenting it to the parliamentary body where they will have to review it and try to make a bill so that the allied health professional, which covers laboratory people, um, nurse people, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the other health like surveillance and I mean, the allied health professionals. Mm -hmm. So that bill will cover all of us and they will look into proper payments and facilities. Yeah. For us. So the act is being proposed to the government. Was the act written by you or was it by the Ministry of Health? How did that go about? Was it the association that was lobbying to 
it wasn't written by me. There, no, there is a I whole mean, like the association. Aha, uh -huh. yeah. So the association has got it's a it's a big act. It's a big um, paper. So allied health professional includes a lot of professionals in the health field, not just lab. Okay. So we presented on behalf of laboratory, we presented our own proposal, and nurses, the nurse people presented theirs, and the um, public health professionals also presented theirs. Yeah. So it becomes one big document which we review so that everybody's proposal has been captured in one document and presented yeah. it to the parliament. It has already been um, reviewed and they should soon pass it as a bill. We hope this year will be a year. Hopefully. Anyway. I hope so yes. for you. But so one thing about, about that, one thing that would be interesting is maybe the pay wasn't enough, but at least was there like something about the health insurance or is that something you inserted in the new bill? Um, the main thing about payments in the new bill is about, um, better like like better condition of service which we think should include insurance better leave allowance you know proper dsas in terms of in terms of field works and of course carry home better carry home salary so it's all it's all a big package we are advocating for Yes, yeah. because it's because comparing to other um, professionals like the medical doctors, we know the doctors are a bit higher, but the gap in my country is so much that we think it's a call, it's a cause for alarm. It's so much, you know. It's a degree we're all having a degree anyway, and funnily we're all having we're all coming from the same university. So if they're having a thousand dollars, actually they're receiving about nine hundred dollars from graduation. And we are receiving like 250 dollars. That's very small. So at least if we can go up to 600, 700 dollars, that makes sense. Yeah. Now speaking of the work conditions around the world, not even just in Africa or Asia, there's always um, that issue about um, work-life balance when it comes to us that work in the laboratory. So I guess this question is a bit more of a personal question, but how in your case, or have you seen good examples of people that are able to manage that? I mean, because as a medical laboratory scientist, of course, you might, be, you might have to work weekends, nights, you might have to work public holidays, Christmas, you might be at the lab, New Year, you might be the one who's spending your night at the laboratory. How do you go around that to try and make sure that at least you can um, you have a semblance of a normal life, something that's at least close enough to what other people around you could enjoy? Um, honestly, it hasn't been easy. I'm using myself as a direct case because I am married, I have children, and my wife is very young. She's 22. So you know the pressure, you know what it means in terms of women and attention, family and attention, and friends and peer socialization. Notwithstanding, yeah. we have seasons of, of high workload or high work burden and medium work burden. So for events like outbreaks, the thing is, you will have to let your family understand, explain to them, provide proof, <laughs> it's not easy. Because at times they will not, they think it's, it's a lie. 
But that's what I've been doing. I will put down my wife, explain to her that this is what will be happening. You know, the outbreak samples are coming from every district. And we are, for now, we are the only set of public health rapid response scientists for laboratory. So we are about 12. So we work two out. When I mean two out, from night to morning, from morning to night. We only have our times, few breaks inside the week to go home. Yeah. And that's after we have tested ourselves to see if we're negative and it's fine. But mostly in outbreaks, we will be confined within an isolated system where we only come from work to work, like from the office area <laughs> to where we analyze our samples and from analysis back to our break room, not yeah. going home. You see, mm -hmm. but there are other seasons that things are a bit normal, like like off outbreak period, where we only have to work our normal nine hours from six in the morning to five in the evening. You understand? That's the normal time. Yes, yeah. but other than that, things are understandable by our, our families. It's not easy, especially if you want to take another time for social work. Like for me, I'm a spoken word artist, I'm a writer. I would have to pinch into my time to go into beach and into other places where I would have to sit down, get that quiet environment yeah. and write. But that will just be my own adjustment. Mm -hmm. But it's not easy anyway for a lab scientist having a family you know, I mean, immediate family, your parents, and your social life. It's not easy. It's all about focus, anyways. Yeah, so you spoke about outbreak periods. What sort of outbreaks do you guys tend to get there every once in a while? I mean, apart from, let's say, COVID, that of course affected us, essentially everybody. Uh, what sort okay. of kinds of outbreaks do you maybe tend to suffer from more than in other places? All right, so Sierra Leone is a resource-limited country. So we've, we've had outbreaks like cholera outbreak. We've had outbreaks like measles. We've had outbreaks like, um, of course, the Ebola affected everybody and the COVID as well. So but most of our recurrent, you know, you know, infections that are recurring. So it's mainly cholera, measles, yes, and... Uh, and, and, and Lassa, we've had the, in terms of viral, we've had Lassa, we've had Marburg, we have, we've had Zika. Yeah? And in terms of bacteriological, we've had um, cholera. Yes, we've had cholera. And cholera is the main one because of, as I mentioned, we had slums, a lot of slum area. We've had, um, I mean, we have places where, you know, where, the, where this pathogen thrives so much. So cholera is mm -hmm. very common. So mostly it's cholera, it's between cholera, like wet outbreaks. So COVID and EVD and Lassa, Marburg, as the rest, yeah. Something like that. So earlier on, you said that, so just now you're saying Sierra Leone is a resource limited country, but it yes. seems like in your laboratory, you might be doing some, let's say, some tests that are a little bit more advanced. Is your laboratory, the one you work in, is a bit more of a reference laboratory or? All right, yes, you're right. My laboratory is the only reference laboratory in the country. It's the Central right. Public Health Reference Laboratory. So, you know, you know when they say reference laboratory now, it's the hub, the core of all public health laboratories. So yeah. actually we have, we have a public health 
laboratory network manager, and we also have a clinical laboratory network manager. So the public health laboratory network manager takes ownership of all public health concerns, like outbreaks, partnering with NGOs. So we are more or less with working with the government, but concentrating with um, public health um, um, concerns. So we are also with like partners working with us and um, NGOs. So most of our, our work, most of our inputs, most of our equipment, most of our level is being motivated by a government NGO partnership. Yes. So that is why you will see our lab doing sophisticated tests like sequencing, like polymerase chain reaction, you know, like advanced microbiology tests like TB and the likes. So today someone who let's say watches this video and is thinking, all right, maybe right now, I'm guessing you might need maybe some extra help, as much help as you can get in the medical laboratory sector. That's, well, you tell me if I'm wrong, but assuming someone's watching this video from another country and wants to be able to come out there and help, is there any path that individuals who are not Sierra Leonean can follow in order to go there and try and help out in the field? Definitely, who will not, who will not need help? <laughs> Definitely, we will always need help. We always need help. Just as I rightly mentioned, we are resource limited in terms of um, inputs, in terms of advancement, so and also in terms of capacity. Um, we will need, of course, support in terms of capacity, where we will need trainings, advanced trainings, because many of the advanced trainings we've had is limited to just highest two months or five weeks. Mm -hmm. which is a bit choke up, which is a bit too pressurizing in terms of grasping the full concept about a specific field. For now, just like, as I mentioned, uh, like sequencing, we are limited in terms of capacity. We have only about, I think, five to eight people that work so can understand the sequencing protocol. And we have few, like at least three who can manipulate the sequence data in terms of bioinformatics. And other areas like um, bacteriology, we, we, we don't have advanced system in terms of bacteriology, like Malditov, you know? We have, we, we've seen bigger laboratories out of the country where they use Malditov, which is an advanced testing. It makes things a lot easier. So we need trainings, we need capacity building. Yeah? We need partnership in terms of research. Sierra Leone is a yeah. resource limited country and it's a research rich ground. So partnership will help attract external researchers who will collaborate with us so that at least they utilize our energy, our work and our expertise. And at the same time, they will bring and will buy or purchase a lot of things that will help, you know, the laboratory to reach up there, at least after the research will have done. And also mm -hmm. it will expose us to a research committee after the work we have done. You know, we, like for me, I, I don't think I have more than five papers because of limited collaborations. So we need collaboration, we need trainings and partnership more or less. But actually we have leaders that are very pushful, that are very effortful. And recently they're doing well. 
So yeah. they are like a solid bedrock for which we are, we, we are anchored for support. That's good. I think that's the most important thing. That's what all of us are looking for, leaders that can actually serve as support and actually yeah. point us in the right direction so that we can keep going. Now, talking about yeah. the research and partnerships, has the association ever tried to get in contact with institutions <coughs> to establish partnerships? I'm thinking that may be a nice avenue to think about because there are countries, for example, like Germany, that tend to be relatively willing to invest in laboratories as long as, for example, you have like a partner lab in Germany and it might be easier for like the Medical Laboratory Association to try and foster those partnerships between, for example, a big lab like yours and one laboratory, let's say in Germany, so that you can then apply for funds and then it makes things a lot easier especially usually as you start, those things can then continue rolling and it makes things a lot easier to, how I put it? Wow, the ball starts that's, 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 that's such a nice, a nice heads up. Honestly, we don't know how. <laughs> I mean, this, so this is why I appreciate this interview. I'm learning <clears throat> and um, uh, I believe we have the opportunity to know how, because Part of our, part of the request I want to add is we need people that can teach us how to write for grants. You know, the young mm -hmm. scientists in Sierra Leone, almost all of us don't know how to write grants. You know, I have tried. I have tried once and twice. <laughs> but if you see the proposal, eh? <laughs> it's not uh, too I, updated based yeah, but at least, on how I've I mean, seen things. I think one of the most important things that sometimes <laughs> we we gloss over is the importance of trying. Because what's, in, what's interesting about all those grant proposals is when you write one, even if it's not good, by the time you send it, the people who read it will usually give you like an idea of why is it that it didn't go through. Like at least they'll write back and then they'll tell you, okay, this part, and usually Usually also, if the deadline is still far away, or if it's on a rolling basis, they tell you what is wrong. And so you can actually, you have the time, you go back, you change it, and then you send it in again. As long as they like the idea, usually they'll try and help you out through, through the process. So actually yeah, so trying- Like recently, the there was a recent part. one. Yes, so recently there was one um, I applied for. I think it was in, uh, I think it was, it was Bill and Melinda Gates, small, small grant. Yeah. So part of the grant request is to prove that I can manage, I think, you know, a huge amount. I don't yeah. know. I have never, we've never had such experience. So was I supposed to go to an accountant? Was I supposed to look for somebody that can give me a budget overview? So I was confused. So, I mean, I got lost in that process and the, get, the deadline passed. Okay. It wasn't successful. Yeah. So I'm looking, yeah, we are learning, but those are the parts of things we hope to learn yeah. from an experienced grant writer, researcher and collaborations, you know? Yeah, hopefully someone is going to be able to watch this video. Anyway, we'll share it on LinkedIn. <laughs> I hope so. We'll be sharing it on LinkedIn. So. I'll make sure to clip this part and then share it so at least I can find it <laughs> grant writer somewhere. Because there are people, there are people out there that are really willing to, to help as long as you can start getting in contact with people. 
and networking. And it seems like you said, if your those your leaders are really willing, it's a lot easier. Because for so, for example, what you're talking about the problem about showing that uh, you had experience with uh, handling large sums of money. Usually, what you could have done is, for example, going to find someone else with a bit more experience in the field that may have had access to grants in the past and then see whether they were willing to chaperone you to also apply for the grant so that you have their expertise and then you show that, yes, it's something they have done in the past and then you also have your expertise to add to that. Because usually these kinds of things are hard to do it if you don't have a large team of people with various um, specialization. With, sure. with experience in different areas, in different areas. So that's the most important, starting to get in contact with people, learning to know them so that whenever you have a, pro a proposition for, or a proposal for, to apply for funds somewhere, you can remember, oh, I know this person that does this, I know this other person that does that, and it makes things a lot easier. Not if it's by yourself, then it's very, very complex. Sure. But for, for that one, were you applying by yourself? Um, I was applying with uh, a head of department from College of Medicine. Right. She helped only with the other aspect in terms of reference, in terms of um, institutional accolades, you know, telling them yeah. that. Yeah. But the financial aspect, no. We don't, I don't know if I should have, because actually the time was short. I received mm -hmm. the link in like 10 days period. And okay. the essays and the writing aspect were so much, over a thousand words, over this motivational, you know, it was so elaborate. Yeah. So when I reached that part, I was like, ah, it was like a bomb. I was like, ah, how will I go through this? So because of time and because of mm -hmm. two, I'd, actually if I had time, if I had time, I definitely would have reached out maybe to the same professor, to the same head yeah. of the department, because she is big, she's experienced. Yeah. She's a researcher, Professor Isata Emory. But the time, actually, time was not on her side. Yeah, I see. Yes. Yeah, I think time is also a big thing. But for example, for that, if they had it, let's say this year, they may have the same thing at about the same period next year. So you could start looking at their website, and then when it comes out, at least the next time. You are ready. True. And in True. fact, in some cases, what some people do is they start, they know that this is coming next year. For example, this project, what you could do is keep working on it and then make sure you have it in an excellent state so that by the next time they ask for it, it's ready. Just send it in. Yeah, that's, that's a nice, that's a nice one too. So that at least you get your proposal, you would have already fine-tuned, edit, so that you just try to fit into any opportunity. Exactly. That comes up. When there are opportunities, you just make little changes based yes. on their needs, and then you can send that in. We are yes. working. We are, we are very young. Even recently, I have a friend who has just opened a young medical lab professionals group. So we have diversified ideas of putting up our association, our profession in the nearest two to, two, two to five years in various mm -hmm. ways. 
And so I'm happy for such collaboration. I'm happy for this interview. So, I mean, I hope, I hope people will look at this and yeah. wish to give him giving hands for some of the challenges. I guess just one piece of advice would be something that I've seen happen with me and many other people to not spend, spend enough time thinking about the ideas, but don't spend too much time thinking about the ideas like you've done where you've started writing proposals, although let's say you don't necessarily know exactly how to go about it over a short period of time. Try and make sure that you are always doing something because in some cases when you don't do you share ideas, but eventually the amount of energy you're willing to devote to it tends to slightly drop down. But at least when you start acting, and let's say you start writing proposals, even if they aren't that good, and then you start sending it, and people start saying, okay, these people, they may not have done it the best way, but this idea was interesting. You may stumble upon someone that's just going to find your idea so interesting that it's going to go, okay, let me try and help them to actually make this proposal better so that they can actually get the funds to do the work. Because I'm sure there are lots of scientists around that would like to work in a country like Sierra Leone, especially if there isn't that much research being done in the country already. Yeah, right. Yeah, thank you. That's a nice one. So we'll be more proactive yeah. rather than be filled with ideas, ideas, ideas. We have so many ideas. Um, you know, that's the thing of young people. <laughs> Yeah. So many yeah. ideas. Some yeah. of the actions require supports and yeah. Well, choose mm -hmm. one that is simpler and then start acting so that the others, like the older ones that have more experience, can actually start seeing what you are doing. And because the thing sure. is, as soon as you will start getting like some small success, you'll see that other people are going to come in because Whenever people see success, they like moving towards success. You won't see someone that will see success and will run away from it. So if they're in your field Definitely. and you start doing little things and then they see, okay, it's successful. People are interested. They'll try and help you out. Right. You're right. But sometimes when you, because sometimes when you don't really do the work and then you go to someone and then you ask for their help, they may feel like you are acting as if you are entitled to the help in a sense. They may take it the wrong way. But then when you can go to that same person, you say the exact same thing. But then you say, I've already done one, two, three. I'm going to go, wow, really? This young and you have already done all this. I need to help you. I need to figure out what I can do. <laughs> so, so it's moving so. away from the medical lab talking about you generally you don't have that much time but what do you do in your free time whenever you get any extra time you talked about writing and also <laughs> yes i'm a writer i'm a writer in the spoken word point okay anything what have you written <laughs> um, is, there anything, is there anything that those who are watching for example that we could put a link that they could go and read sure I wrote one for, for this Valentine. Um, I have written ones in the past about changes, about the youth. It's on YouTube. 
Okay. And um, I've had videos that, have, that they've been showing in national TV. And um, I intend to write a book on antimicrobial resistance in terms of my profession. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. I, I, I write in my leisure time. If, I, if I'm not at home with my family. So get some of the links and then put them also so that people can see that okay. you can also be a medical laboratory scientist and still have fun when you leave. <laughs> Yes, it's not always about microscopes. I know, I know. Yeah. People have even had an experience where, where they would have to. They interviewed me. Yes, it was doing the Ebola. Mm -hmm. The you know Afisel, Afisel, it's a mobile network. They interviewed okay. me and they asked me. They came up with that question: How do you cope as a laboratory scientist and and a writer? <laughs> I told them the same thing. We talk about time adjustment. Yeah, I'm passionate about writing. It's the only way where I, because in laboratory, there are times when you go into depression. You know, when the workload is not equal to the motivation, <laughs> you go into strong level of stress and depression. So I go to my corner, think of other things, become abstractive, write, recite. So I just get my mind off things. That's how I became. And that has been the answer I've given. So it has been working for me anyway. Because I've, I've won awards, <laughs> certificates, and even prizes with it. Yeah. Yes. All right. So thanks a lot for taking the time for this interview today, Zeng. It was really nice talking to you. You're welcome. It was a, You're welcome. It was, it was a, chill, a chiller interview than I usually do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Roboti. Thank do you, you have any any last words for anyone watching medical laboratory scientists, maybe from your country or elsewhere? Okay, I will have a few words. Because the thing is, the, the field is young. And the professionals, the staffs are too small. And with the advent of increased population in the world and outbreaks, we need more laboratory professionals. And it's not a field for dropouts. It's a field with a lot of diversified areas where one can specialize, become very successful, and be recognized worldwide. So we'll need to come in with all efforts, with full, I mean, with full focus, so that we become who we wish to be and not only becoming who we wish to be in terms of being a lab scientist and become a change makers. So we've seen people like the Professor Christian Happy in Nigeria, SG. He's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's an avid scientist who has changed the field of genomics. And now he's one of the name Africa is proud of. He, he and his team were one of the first to sequence the SARS-CoV-2 for the whole of Africa. They are one of the first teams to submit data to GSET for the whole of Africa, especially West Africa. So it's wonderful. So it's a great field where one can come in, invest time, energy, and become very known, just like every other profession. So it's one we should be proud of. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. So Zane, thank you. thanks again for taking the time. Uh, we can really feel the passion in your voice. So it's nice to have my collaborators <laughs> that are still passionate. Thank you. So Thank stay you passionate, much. keep doing the work and keep taking action. And hopefully we'll be able to have you again soon 
on another episode where you tell us the amounts of millions of dollars we are able to get as a result of <laughs> writing your grants. I hope so. I hope, I pray so. <laughs> Amen. You are welcome, Robertson. I always yeah. look, I will always look forward to having other sessions with you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. All right.